So Steve and I met in 2016. I lived in Georgia. He is from here. We uh, met, we dated for about nine months. I then decided he's the one. (laughs) So I moved here and we began our life here. I moved here and knew nobody. So when we came to Northwood, and Steve and I talked to Pastor Dan, and he said, show up, get involved, serve, give, you know, all those great things. And so it was time to sign up for the small groups. And the first one that I signed up for, my tendency was to want to close off and not really share the things that I was personally going through or had been through. And after, I don't know, maybe the third or fourth week, I saw where I was very much like the rest of the people in the small group. And so that was the start of starting to feel like I could um, just start talking about my journey. And of course, making friends was huge because again, I needed people. That was the first small group. Then I went to Freedom. And that's where I really started letting go of 30 years of some baggage. I was making so many bad choices throughout those 30 years. So I feel like freedom is really the place where I really was just able to let go of 30 years of stuff. Now, I've had several people uh, tell me that it's time to be a, a leader for a small group. So that was the beauty is that people saw things in you that you didn't see in yourself. Uh, you know, there's still that probably a little bit of insecurity, but what I'm hearing is that there's a lot of people that are captains and leaders that are in that same place. And I think through going through the process, you learn more and more. And that's one of the things that I love most about the services here. Uh, It was during the Book of Romans that I really, and going to the small group that helped me to learn more about the Bible on a personal level and how the things that they talk about in the Bible, how how they relate, you know, in your own personal life. I see myself and my husband, Steve, I want God to just use us wherever we need to be. This is sort of a a segue week between series and last week and this week, I just wanted to share two things that were sort of on my heart. Last week, again, community uh, is really a staple in a a, a good church, in, in the health of a good church. Um, you have to have good community. And uh, so we have good community. And, and so we talked about that. If you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and look at it last week. But this week, I wanted to talk about something that honestly, we don't talk much about. Um, and and we, we definitely don't always talk about it directly using the words that the Bible uses. And so we like to kind of skate around a little bit, but, but it's gonna start with this. The question is, when is enough enough? All right, when is enough enough? Like, when am I a good enough husband, <laughs> a father, a parent, a whatever, a, a student, a, an employer, an employee, where is the threshold where you've sort of like arrived, right? When is enough money enough money? Like, where is that, I don't know, that rung of the ladder that you finally get to? And whenever you lay your head down at night, you're like, you know what? I'm doing good. I could stop trying. You know what I'm saying? Now, now here's the deal. Today, I don't want to. I don't want to communicate laziness. I don't want to communicate lack of like effort. 
that, that's not my heart. But I want to talk about the other side of it, which is this overactive, never, you know, we've never reached the, anything and we're always just on this rat race. That's what I want to talk about today. What is that? Why is enough not enough? And when is it? It's sort of like, uh, I've got a seven-year-old, um, her name is Ariana. And uh, if you've got kids, honestly, even if you don't have kids, this is just a human thing. Um, you, you know, it's one of those days where you go to Disney World or whatever. Like I'm talking, the credit card is just red hot. Like it's just, whoosh, you've been swiping it all day, you know? You're just like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this, but this is fun, <laughs> okay? Like one of those days and your kids are excited and, uh, and you get in the car and um, there's always this moment. It happens to all of us from the back seat. So what are we doing now? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm about to throw you out the car. That's what we're going to do now. Because you know, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. And now you want to go somewhere else? I remember, this is the worst story. Honestly, this is, I almost cry when I tell this story because I feel so bad about it. Uh, we went to Atlanta one day. So I don't know, I was probably 10, 12. We went to Six Flags over Georgia. And my parents are here on the front row, by the way, just in case you're like, why is he looking down and asking about what he did when he was 10? Uh, and uh, we, we went to Six Flags over Georgia. And, and, you know, of course, I'm young. I have no clue how much anything costs. So I'm just like, fun. And we go, and I mean, all day, just going for it. We get in the car. It's what, 9.30? I don't know. And uh, I can only imagine how much money we spent that day that we probably didn't really have much of. And I did it. A little voice in the back. Can we go to McDonald's? No, baby, we're going to the hotel. And this was my response. Ready? <laughs> we never get to do anything. <laughs> oh, it hurts me to say it. Like still today, I'm 34 and I'm like, it was horrible. I'm a horrible human being. You know, it's like, why? And then of course, I don't remember exactly what happened. I know that voices were raised and things were said that more than likely pastors shouldn't say, but I don't know. It was honest though, and I needed it. I needed it. Come on, how many times y'all, you know, your mom slapped you when you were little and you're like, you know what, it, it's not, like nowadays you shouldn't do that, but honestly, I needed it. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was one of those things, like yell at me because I am a horrible human being. But what is that? Why do we do that? Why do we think that way? All right, now I would like to also preface this message by saying um, that today, obviously, I am not talking about you because you would never do the things that I'm gonna talk about today. It's either the person next to you or it's the people in that other church or it's that other family. It's not us, right? So can we just, it's not us. So take the pressure off. I'm not looking at you and talking to you. It's fine. It's just hypothetically speaking, okay? So, but why do we do this? Why do we think this way? What's the cause of it? And I, I want you to think about this. Think about a time that something really good happened in your life. Like I'm talking, you got that promotion. You finally got that house or that car. Uh, you, 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 got, you got married. Like one of those big moments in your life where you, where you felt like you sort of like got it. You know, like you, you're a student and you, you finally like crossed that certain line of your, like your, you know, you made that grade or you got accepted into that club or whatever the case is, right? Think back to one of those moments. And I wanna ask you this question. How long was it between that moment and whenever that type of desire resurfaced? How, how long was it, you got that promotion, you got that pay raise before that moment of like, yes. And 
What's my next step? What's the next level? How much more do I, can I make, right? Like you, you finally got that girlfriend that you've been wanting. And then all of a sudden it's like, she's a regular person too. You know what I'm saying? Like, what was that? Like two hours? I don't know. A couple conversations. Uh, maybe it was two days, two years. But at some point it sort of like that want, that desire, that void resurfaced. And you're right back where you started. There's this word, it's, it's hedonism. We don't use that word a, a whole lot, but this is sort of, I think you'll, you'll see it kind of describes us as Americans very well. It's this, it's placing pleasure or happiness as the sole purpose in life. Hedonism, hedonistic thinking. It's, it's, it's like a doctrine. It's a, it's a state of belief that you have. That, and in our country, especially in our country, our culture, we are all wrapped up in this right here. We elevate happiness as like above what it's really supposed to be. It's literally the sole purpose in so many people's lives. How many times have you said it? It's like, hey, so what are you really wanting? I just want happiness. (laughs) So like, what are you, like you're doing this and like, what's the end result? Just to be happy. And it's, it's stated in a way that, I mean, honestly, I get it. I mean, we all, I understand that, but it's actually completely out of order. It's elevated as the sole purpose in life. And so many of us, or so many of the other people that we're talking about today, not us, but I want to read an excerpt from an article about this. Uh, Actually, it's about hedonic adaption. Listen to this. It is the tendency for humans to quickly adapt to major positive or negative life events or changes and return to their base level of happiness. Think about that phrase, base level of happiness. We all have a base level of happiness. And really what we want is that base level of happiness to be raised up, like just more, more happiness. Like I want more. How happy are you? I'm, I'm, kind of happy, but I want to be more happy. And we always want to elevate that base level of happiness. And the, the, the deal is this. In reality, think again about that really positive thing that happened and how long was it before you went from this high and you trickle back down to just kind of how you felt the year before or the two years before or whatever. You, you just sort of settled back into this mode. Or guys, even some things that happen that are very, very, I mean, tragedy, tragic in your life, some things really do alter that base level to a point where it, it, it feels like that level never gets back to what it was before. And that's what loss does. And, and so I don't want to cheapen that right now. But, but still, some negative things can happen in our lives. And yet we still, at times, we kind of come up a little bit out of that. And, and we end up settling back into this general area of, it's kind of how I felt before that happened. You know, and time heals a lot of things, right? But it's, I want you to picture that, okay? Super highs, super lows, and we sort of just adapt. We find this layer. The problem is, is that we think that that base level of happiness, that it's based on circumstances. We think that it's based on our environment, but it's not. This is a, a, a giant misconception in families. It's huge, it's we live in this city and we have this size house and things are really tough and our family's not operating right. 
So I got a great idea. Let's go ahead and uproot from all of this. Let's go ahead and, and find another city. Let's pack our bags, go find another city and, and start over. Doesn't that sound good? I'm, probably many of you in this place have, have thought that and felt that. You know, I've been there before. Just, you kind of just want to run from the pressure and go establish a new way uh, where nobody knows your past or knows you, right? The problem is, is that as you're packing those bags, right, you are slipping in at all of your issues. <laughs> and so then you change your environment, you change your job, you change whatever, and you get there. And when you unpack it, that same thing is there, that same lack, that same void. I need a new spouse. If I have a new spouse, then maybe it'll all be fixed. <laughs> it's a human being too, man. You're gonna unpack your baggage in that marriage just like you did your last one. There, there's this, but it's a trap. It's a trap. We think that it's really gonna work. We think that it's gonna matter. What, why do we do this? Do, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of methodically moving through this. Why do we do that? Why do we think this way? And it's because we're just unable to be satisfied. We can't be satisfied. I like this scripture out of Proverbs 27. It says, Sheol and Abaddon really is just the realm of the dead, a place of destruction, okay? They are never satisfied and never satisfied are the eyes of man. Aren't you being encouraged right now? Your eyes are like a bottomless pit of destruction. <laughs> right? Ugh, this is not a good message. Hey, go back to that other one talking about how we all want to be friends. You know, like, like go back to one of those. I don't, like, what's Sheol? You know, hell. You know, it's, <laughs> this is, I don't like this. But that's what he says. He describes this as bottomless pits of consuming things and it's never satisfied. Why? Why are we incapable of being satisfied? What causes this? Well, it's part of our nature. It's part of our nature. It's just part of who we are. One thing that you don't have to teach me is how to never be satisfied. I just, I got that. Don't worry. You know what I'm saying? Because by nature, we are covetous and envious. And that's really the two words that I want to lean into today. It's not a lot of words that we use very much. We like to soften them. We like to skate around them. And, you know, but the reality is, is that these two words are infecting us, They're infecting us. And, and the deal with it is that it doesn't just stop with what we see. It always eventually translates into our belief system. It translates into our Christianity. And so the very thing that we do, you know, in the temporary world, we begin to sort of define God by that as well. And we'll see that in a second. But these two words, we actually get really mixed up with other words as well. We get them mixed up. And so like if you say, oh, envious and jealous, it's the same thing. It's actually not. So let me, let me kind of bring you through this, this thing. So the first word is covet. And covet is, I want that. It's like, I see that thing and I want it. I have this craving, this desire, and I want it, which is the beginning. But the next thing is envy, which is a really nasty one, which is basically you have it and I'm, I resent you because you have really what I want. It's terrible. We would never say that 
out of our mouth. But, <laughs> so it's covetousness. It's, and then there's envy. And then there's this thing of jealousy, which is basically, I have this and I'm scared that you're gonna try to take it from me. So I'm gonna risk life and limb to protect this thing that I have. I'm jealous. And then it develops into greed, which is, I have this, I want more of it, and I'm not sharing it with anybody. It's terrible, isn't it? Guys, we are we're horrible human beings. <laughs> but this is the way that it works. You know, you're, you're, you're going about in life, everything's cool, and you see something. You see something that you really desire. And immediately, because you want it, you know, nowadays, it's like, whatever you want, just like, go for it. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna do that. And then, and then that desire, that craving grows. And then you begin to look at who has it. Like, who has it? I need to do some research. Who's got it? And then you start looking at, okay, how did they get it? And then it's like, well, I'm doing all those things but I don't have that result. What did they do? Why do they have it and I don't have it? I want it. What did they, you know what? They probably did some dirty stuff to get it, right? <laughs> you start tearing them down to your size a little bit. And then, and then if you do get it, and usually by that point, once you've gone through covetousness and envy type of thinking, you've, you've probably gotten a hold of it, but your heart is rotting on the inside of you. And so now you have what you want. And now it's like, I'm gonna protect it with all that I got. Because it took me so long to earn this. And you're, trying, you're just trying to get close to me right now so you can have some of it, right? And after you establish it, you get through that lane, you get through that, that time of life, then it's like you get more of it and you get more of it, but you've gotten it with the wrong heart and it grows into greed, which is now I'm very successful, but now I don't wanna give any of it away, right? You'll see that progression. This happens with, uh, with people in their walks with God all the time when it comes to their money, all the time. I love this phrase, ready? If I had more money, then I would actually give, you know, I'd give to God. <laughs> I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> You're just not. Can we be honest today? Is that all right? That yeah, four of you, okay. All right. <laughs> you don't like develop generosity after you have a lot of stuff. You develop greed. Yep, that's true. Right? Like that's what you develop. And we see this all over the nation. When we say it about in the context of church, everybody gets religious and it's like, oh, they just want my money. No, let's just, okay, now we got done with that. Let's move on to something else that everybody can agree on. Everywhere you look, you see greed. You see greed. Honestly, guys, part of the problem with the fact that we have so many people that are in poverty and it's getting worse and worse and worse is because of greed. I'm not gonna get all political and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but, but we rely on the government to be generous instead of humanity being healthy and in a good society where we love one another and we provide for one another, right? Like that would be a much better system, but we're broken. Why? Because we covet, we envy, we're jealous, and then we get greedy. And so therefore that, that cycle of, of help gets cut off because we, we got it. I ain't getting rid of it. You can't have it. We're messed up, y'all. We're messed up. But what are these things and how do they play out? So let's talk about covetousness. It's being consumed with desire for something, a craving. And I think it's so interesting that one of the, the, the 10 commandments is thou shalt not covet. I think God was onto something, right? He might kind of know us. <laughs> and he's like, thou shalt not covet. He's like, you shouldn't desire things, have a craving 
for temporal things. It's a seed of so many other dysfunctions in our life, materialism. The seedbed is covetousness. And, and, you know, as Christians, as believers, we should constantly be looking through the lens of the word of God at our lives. And we should be able to, to spot that type of thinking, that type of heart in us. The problem is, is a lot of us maybe aren't. And so then this can happen right here. I want to read a quote from Kevin DeYoung. He says, coveting relentlessly craves more of this world. And a person's thoughts, affections, and heart occupy with the world will cease seeking heaven. It forsakes love for God and disposes one to hate their neighbor. Coveting pulls the heart down into the pit of self-seeking. You see, as maybe we think the more that we get in life, the, like we're taking steps up or forward, right? We're, we're, we're gaining more ground in our success or whatever it is. In reality, if it's not done out of the right heart, that progression, that stepping upward is actually stepping downward into a pit, into a pit. And, and you know, the, the, main, the main difference is, is simply what's going on in here, what's going on in here. And, and it's not bad to have nice things. Don't get me wrong today. Money is neutral. Things that you have are neutral. It's the love of money, the love of it, that ends up into all these other scenarios. And whenever you think like that, whenever you live like that, enough is never enough. It's never enough. Remember, remember bottomless pits, right? It's never enough. It just doesn't end. And so you move forward to envy. Envy, again, would be resenting someone for having what you covet. It's unhappiness with somebody else's happiness. Golly, <laughs> look at them. They're just so, they're so happy. And I hate them, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's terrible. The deal is, is that, you know, guys, we used to have to encounter people like face to face, be in relationship or around people to actually experience these feelings and these thoughts. But now it's 2019, isn't it great? And now we can be sitting on our couch in our living room and thinking, you know what? This is good. When is enough enough? It's enough. It's great. You know what I'm saying? You're just enjoying your, it's okay. It's an okay couch. You know, it's about 12 years old. The kids have thrown up on it like dozens of times. You don't want to lay directly on it because that's whenever you smell the old throw up, but it's neither here nor there. I'm describing my couch right now in case you can't feel the tension. All right. It's a, I love my couch. It's a wonderful recliner though. And that's, I don't want to get another one. I'm like, man, it's, it's just perfect. Anyway, doesn't matter for what we're talking about, but you're sitting there chilling out. Everything's good. And you take out your phone and you open up Instagram <laughs> and there's your friend in Costa Rica, you know? And you're like, that's awesome. It's great for you. Oh, cliff, cliff diving, huh? Oh, oh boy. And then you look at your, your couch and you're like, maybe if I jump high enough off of my couch onto my head, I'll be put out of my misery, right? Is it just me? No? Okay. Some of y'all need to laugh. You need to laugh because by not laughing, you're showing that this is actually hitting you right in the chest. Right? <laughs> oh, ah. You know? 
Everything was fine. Open up Instagram, coveting, envy. It's like the upside down world. It's just like, you know, it shows up in your heart. And you're like, everything was cool. What is that? Well, it's, it's sin. It's what it is, guys. What that is, that feeling, that perspective of life, it's sin. That's what coveting is. It's what envy is. The whole there is, like we never can ever do enough. That is actually a pit. It's a trap. And we fall into it a lot. And Jesus warns us of both of these things. Mark 7, he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. All these things are so terrible, right? We like to spend a lot of time on those. Coveting, just snuck right in there between adultery and wickedness. Oh, okay. Deceit, sensuality, yuck. It's gross. Envy. What? Envy right next to slander because when we envy somebody, we always end up slandering them because we're really just, we want what they have. So we got to criticize them because probably they did it wrong because I'm doing it right and I don't have what they have. So yeah, is anybody connecting with that? Is that maybe from time to time, possibly just a, a hint of what we might do? Pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. They defile you. It's not necessarily what goes in you. It's not, it's what comes out of you. It's what comes out in your thoughts and your actions and your words. Whenever you're really ripping somebody apart, start asking yourself the question, why am I doing that? Why did I just, why did I just say that? What was the purpose of that? What, what good is that going to do in my heart about that person? What, is it, what, would it, what good would it do if they were sitting right next to me and heard me say that? What's the deal? Sometimes it comes out of pain. They did you wrong. I get it. But every now and then, could it be that you're envious of them? That you actually want what they have? So you slander them. And it's really pride. It's, at the end of the day, it's foolishness. And Jesus defines it as that. There's so many other scriptures that talk about this, but, but here's one I want to share with you. Proverbs 14, 30. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. Now, I just think that it's very important for all of us to see the, the sequence of that. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. Not if I get it, my flesh, if like I get what I need, then my heart will be soothed. That is just not the way it works. It never has and it never will. Even in our walks with God, sometimes we think that. Like if I get to this level, if I do this for God, then my heart will be pure and, and then I'll be accepted. And it's actually exactly the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. What does covetousness and envy do to us? What is it, how does it play out? What does it look like? Well, number one, it steals our joy. When you live a covetous or an envious life and you think this way, I guarantee you that you lack joy in your life. Guarantee it. It's a staple in the life of a covetous and envious person. 
You're never happy. You can't be happy. You can't be happy because number one, you're always comparing yourself to other people, right? Now, some of us are really good at comparing ourselves to other people and we always choose the people that we deem to be lower than us, right? Like, well, it could always be like that guy and that kind of builds you up, which is really not a good thing to do, right? But most of us, most of us actually, we compare the other way. We compare to those that seem to have it all together. They seem to be like up on a mountain all the time. And so at that point, we are always falling short. We're always underneath. There's no joy in that. There's no joy. That's a terrible life to live. But that's what, that's what this, this type of thinking does. Number two, it steals our joy. But number two, it kills our peace. It kills your peace. You're never settled. When is enough enough? Never. Therefore, I'm never settled. I can never just enjoy presently what's going on in my life. I can never enjoy a normal day because I need, I need something. Like there's gotta be something else. I, I can't relax. And again, I'm not talking about being lazy, y'all. Some of y'all, every day is a relaxing day and you need to like kick yourself and like do something, okay? But you're you know, you know, with me today, okay? Lazy people are like, thank goodness, finally a message that I can like connect with. <laughs> That's right, I just chill out, everybody. <laughs> Hadn't paid your house note in six months. Just trust in the Lord. <laughs> I think you're getting it wrong. But anyway, it kills peace. It really comes out of insecurity and pride, man. If you're insecure, I want you to start calling yourself prideful because that's actually what roots, that's what insecurity is rooted in, it's pride. What do people think about me? It kills your peace. Number three is it destroys love, destroys love. You can't love people in your life properly whenever you are defining your present state in life. And if it's negative, defining your life upon them. So what I mean by that is this is where marriage and things gets, gets tough again. If I only had that person, then I would, I would be happy, right? Just let's take that scenario. And what that does is that demeans the person that you're with in your own mind, in your own heart, especially if you say it, all trust is destroyed. But what that is, is climbing over that person to get to what you want, which usually is you want happiness, you want fulfillment, and you will destroy the people around you getting it. It places our happiness again above everything, including those that are closest to us. Why is it that we tend to be the meanest and the most cutthroat with the people that are in our own family, our closest friends? What is it about us that causes us to do that and not forgive? I think it's partly because of these things. If you always look at your relationships around you as a means to an end, you can't enjoy them, you can't love them, all you see is what's wrong with them. Covetous, envy, selfishness is really what it is. Still being honest today? Still being honest? That's what it is. That's what these things are. And, and the reason of all these results is because of the fact, again, that covetousness and envy type of this thinking, it comes from a, a nature of sin. It comes from a nature of sin. Where does sin come from? Well, I like what it says in the book of wisdom, 
Chapter two, verse 24, but through the devil's envy, the de devil's envy, death entered the world and those who belong to his party experience it. Satan was envious of God. It started with, I really want to have the authority, the power that God has. And it was like, I hate him because I want it. And that was the root, the beginning of sin, of all that we have today. And let me tell you something. If you begin to attach the envy in your heart, that coveting type of mindset to literally what has thrown Satan out of heaven, what has destroyed mankind, you are not gonna be okay with it residing in your heart. You're never gonna be settled with it. You're gonna to begin to notice the times that you rip apart somebody because you're actually just envious of them. And that contrasts to what Jesus, you know, how he lived his life and how you were living yours. For a believer, it's just, you, you just can't stomach it. You can't stomach it. We're not supposed to. How do I know if I'm coveting or envying? Here's a couple of good questions for you. Indicating questions to kind of get you thinking today. Do you think if I could get that or if I could make that amount of money, then I'd be happy. These are just indicators, all right? If I could get that, then I'd be happy. Maybe that's one. The other one, are you willing to compromise biblical standards and displease the heart of God in order to attain that desire? Are, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to cross the line of what you know God's heart is for you and you're willing to go past that in order to get what you think you want. Come on, Christians. Come on. We know. If we say that, we know that we're not telling the truth. We know that it's a lie. But, you know, God forgives. Right? Like, I know that. So, like, I, I know that God desires marriage to look like this and be like this. I know, I know the level, the, the standard that he has set upon me as a believer. But you know what? I mean, I'm only this age. I've only got so many years to live. I still got time to go find my soulmate. <laughs> I mean, come on. And, and I'm talking about family a lot because honestly, a lot of families are falling apart. Falling apart, y'all. In the church, I'm not talking about outside the church. I'm talking about believers. They're falling apart. And at what point, at what point do we elevate God's desire for us above our own? I have a question in this whole hedonistic mindset about chasing happiness, chasing this, this thing. Ask yourself this question. Do you think that Jesus, when he was in the garden, before he was arrested, tried, and murdered, do you think that he was seeking his own happiness? Do you think that that was on the forefront of his mind as he sweat drops of blood onto the rock in front of him? Like these, absolutely not. He submitted all of that to the will of the Father unto death. That's what he did. He was the example for us of what it looks like to live a life that says, I don't care what I want if it contradicts what God desires of me. 
Number three, do you criticize other people for their accomplishments or their, their success? And I've already talked about that, but, but just straight up ask yourself that. Do I criticize other people because they are actually doing well? I think these are really good questions. Questions that we should let just work on us, work in us. But today, how do we deal? How are we supposed to deal with this? How are we supposed to deal with coveting, with envy? How are we supposed to come up against this and deal with it? Well, I want you to know today that you don't have the ability to deal with this type of deception and dysfunction in your life. You actually don't have what it takes to really wrap your, wrap your arms around it and take it down, right? You, you don't have that. And, and the deal is, is this, we were created, all of us, we were made to be fulfilled by our creator. That's what we were designed to. So love, joy, peace, I just said all three a while ago. All of us in this room, everybody on the face of the planet, at the end of the day, we all wanna experience love, we wanna experience joy, we wanna experience peace. The deal is, is that if you go look at the fruit of the spirit, which is the character of God, who he is, the essence of God, his attributes, his character, that's the first three things that you see. And so what happens is because of our brokenness, we only have two options. We're either going to elevate God as our source as the creator, or we are going to worship and look to the creation to fulfill us. That's the only two options we have, that's it. We're either gonna to look to God as our help, or we're gonna to look to what we see and what we can do to fulfill that, that part of us. And, and the re reality is, of course, we know it because we're in church, that all of those temporary things, they fail, they cease. You're gonna eat lunch here in a second, and within five hours, you're gonna to wanna to eat again. Bottomless pit, it doesn't stop. It can't stop, it's, the, it's just what we're in. It's the destructive nature of sin. So left to our, ourselves and our own effort, we can only try to fill ourselves with created things and this is always gonna leave us wanting. But the thing is, it's like, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. We, we, we know it, but we, we still tend to fall right back into the same pit. Sure, we use different verbiage, we use different words. We're really good at justifying it. I am really, really good at justifying sin in my life. Really, really good. How many, anybody else really good at justifying like that horrible thing that you said or did, but you're like, well, if they wouldn't over this or that, you know what I'm saying? Or guys, look, the, the end doesn't always justify the means. Never has and never will. Psalm 107 answers this for us. For he, God, our creator, satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Good things. Only he can satisfy my soul. Only God. And until we get that, until we lean into that, until we understand it, repeat it, Whenever something goes wrong, we don't run to the thing that we always run to, but instead we run to God. Until he is our source, we will continue to just feed things that won't satisfy into our soul. How are we supposed to deal with this? We're supposed to deal with this by being content with Jesus. Be content in Christ. It says in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus just got done basically telling everybody, hey, don't live like the pagans, all right? By the way, pagans, people who don't 
look to God as their source. They think if they fulfill the flesh, their heart will be tranquil. That's how pagans live. Let it not be said of us, right? That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's talking about what to eat, what to drink, security, all of these things. He's like, actually, that is much less important and temporary compared to the kingdom of God. Seek that and all these other things, whether it's a huge house or not, just don't matter as much. It just doesn't matter as much. Years ago, I was in, I was in a house and I was very discontent with my house, just to be honest, totally discontent. About six, seven years ago, tried to put it up on the market, it didn't sell, right? Took down the sign, I hate this house, I hate it, you know? It was one of those houses where when you close the front door, the whole upstairs shakes because it's like toothpicks. I don't know. Come on. And I was like, gosh. <sighs> Two years later, put it back up on the market. This is funny. This is funny. Put it up on the market. Put the sign out the road. <laughs> oh, man. And this little girl rode by. <laughs> this little girl rode by on a bike. Literally, she's like five. She rode by on a bike and slammed into that sign. Y'all, I have never seen a for sale by owner sign explode. It exploded. If Nadine was here, if my wife was here, she would be like, y'all, seriously, it exploded. And literally, we brought it inside and we laughed. And of course, me, I'm like, I hate this house. <laughs> Can't sell it, you know? And, uh, and one night, close to the moment whenever the sign exploded, I was sitting in my chair, same recliner I still have today. And I was sitting there and I looked at the staircase that I hated. I looked at the house that I really was despising. And I said, God, if I never move out of this house, I'm fine with it. Totally cool with it because you have provided my every need. My heart just completely changed. And I was seriously okay with it. What was going on? I was coveting. I was envious. I was, I was living in sin. That's what that was. I wasn't, I wasn't walking up to my house every day saying, God, thank you so much for providing for me. I was walking up saying, I can't believe that the, the roof does that and there's this leaky spot over here and bing, bing, that's what I was doing. That is ungrateful. That lacks thanks to God, right? And the Bible says over and over, God corrects this. Why? Because he knows that this is a seedbed for many other things. The reason is this, I love this statement that John Piper makes. The reason is because God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. What would it look like if we could live our life like this, y'all? What would it look like if we could get up every day and pray the prayer, God, I pray that today that you were lifted up and glorified through the way that I live my life through the way that I interact with my family, the way that I handle my finances, the way that I go to work, the way that I work. God, that in everything that I do, you'd be lifted up. And the way that I study, come on. God, that you're lifted up. Because that's when God is most glorified and, and whenever we are most satisfied in him, where you can sincerely in your heart say, if I don't ever make another dollar more than what I make today, if I don't ever see myself attain all these great heights, right? Like that's not what satisfies the deepest parts of my heart. What satisfies the deepest parts of my heart is what Jesus has already done for me. And I'm content 
in Jesus. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have made a way to be reconciled with you through Jesus. And today, God, we are praying that you would deal with us and God, that you would reveal the areas in our hearts where we are not truly satisfied with you. God, where we are looking to the temporary, we are looking to fulfill our, our, our flesh in order to, for our heart to be fulfilled. And God, I pray that today that you would change that around. God, that you would help us to realize that you are what we need, that you are the love, the joy, the peace. And God, that type of love, joy, and peace that you provide it trumps anything that, that we can see in this lifetime. God, that we, would, that we would seek to progress and God, that we would seek to reach goals, Father. God, I hope that you, I pray that you would give us wisdom on how to do that well, but God, that we would do it with the right intentions, with the right heart. And God, that we would never elevate that above you, that we would not fall into idolatry, but God, help us to be able to, to recognize quickly what's really going on. Father, I pray that right now that you would search our hearts. God, we give you full access to who we are. You already know us, but God, right now, search us, convict us. Come on, if you know that there's areas in your heart right now that you are, you're falling short, you're living life the wrong way. Some of the things I said, those, those things that you've said quietly or in your mind, you're like, that's exactly where I've been. How do you respond? This is how you respond. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. I repent. I turn from that way of thinking. I want to live a life that glorifies you. Some of you today, you're in this place and, and you haven't taken the first step in what, what we're talking about. And that step is to say yes to following Jesus, saying yes, placing your faith in Jesus. We've sang about it, we've talked about it, we've talked about it today, the, the, the good news of Jesus coming and dying for your sin, for your shame, for your fear, for your unrighteousness, standing in your place and taking that penalty upon himself. And now the Bible says that what we do is we place our faith in that, in what Jesus has done. And because of that, we stand in Christ. We stand in his right standing before God. We stand in his purity, not our own. That's the good news. And some of you today, you need to say, yes, say, I believe in that. I trust in that. And the beautiful thing is that God says, whenever you make that decision, whenever you respond to him, him really drawing you, that you are then grafted into the family of God. You are brought close. And that's whenever you can draw close to the throne of God with knowing that, that his grace and his mercy is sufficient for you, that he loves you. So I wanna pray with you. You don't have to pray what I pray, but I just want you to, to connect with your God. But you can pray something like this. Father, I'm humble before you right now. I thank you for your grace and your mercy for me, that you forgive all sin. And today, Jesus, I thank you for the cross and I thank you for your blood that was shed to pay the price for my sin. God, I didn't deserve it, but you have given it freely. And today I accept that free gift of salvation. God, I pray that I would walk out of this place today living a life that brings you honor and glory. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Today I stand tall, I stand confident in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Come on, can we give it up for those who gave their hearts to God today? Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, We have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, uh, you can check out all of our past sermons, all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi, and uh, even give to support those efforts of reaching more people. Be sure to connect with us on social media and to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching and hope to see you soon.